Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 6. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. So we see problems here in Acts chapter 6. We, we, we see one group complaining against another group. So the early church had problems just like the church today has problems. You know, I've been pastoring this church for 10 years now, and there's two things that I've really learned. I've learned, number one, as I said, there is no perfect church. I have learned that. There is no perfect church, saints. If you're seeking the perfect church, good luck. You're not going to fight. There is no perfect church. Why? Because the second thing I've learned, because the people who go to the church are sinners. It's trying to build you up. (laughs) We are sinners. Why do we come to church and we get all holy and act like we're not sinners? We're still sinners. Now, do we practice sin? God forbid. Perish the thought, Paul said. But we are sinners. The church is made up of human folk. We are living stones fit together to make up a holy habitation. I can't explain that, but to make up a holy habitation for the Lord to dwell in. The church is made up of sinners. We're humans. God understands that and God knows that. And because we are sinners, because we're we're humans, there's going to be complaining. There's going to be grumbling. You know, people grumble and complain. I, I know that right now there's probably five or six people grumbling and complaining about me now. Y'all probably grumbling at the church on the way to church this morning. Eh, Pastor Rodney. We'll go to church anyway, eh, Pastor Rodney. You know, I figured, look, a church this size, five or six people grumbling and complaining, I can handle that. <laughs> I can deal with it. Bring it on. You want some of me, man? Huh? 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 <laughs> I had no sleep, y'all, so pray for me, all right? <laughs> Five or six people, I mean, whatever. I mean, people grumble and complain, but okay, fine. I understand that the church is made of, up of sinners, and that goes along with the territory. So get over it. If you can't handle people grumbling and complaining and not liking you, well, don't go into ministry. Amen. Don't go into ministry. If you can't handle people like taking pot shots at you, please don't go into ministry. <laughs> no. So the first church was not a perfect church. There is no perfect church. No, we don't need to get back to the book of Acts. What we need to do is be the church that the Holy Spirit has called us to be today. We need, to, we need to be the church that God is making us and calling us to be today. And so the apostles, in verse 2 in your Bibles, they gathered together the multitude of the church. Now notice what they said. Basically, they said this, we have a problem. And we want you guys to find the people that you think should fix the problem. 
We will examine them is basically what they're saying. We'll examine them. And if they meet the criteria, then we will release them to do the work. Notice these guys said, we are going to study the word and pray. In other words, we are not going to neglect doing what we are called to do, to do that which we are not called to do. We are not going to neglect doing what we are called to do, to do that which we are not called to do. What they're saying is that we are not called to oversee the practical needs of the church. They are saying we are called to oversee the spiritual needs of the church. And we're not going to leave the spiritual needs of the church to go and handle the practical needs of the church. Therefore, we want you guys to find among you seven men who meet the criteria to go handle the practical needs of the church so that we can deal with and stay focused on the spiritual needs of the church. You got it? Get the tape. It's important. These guys were prioritizing their lives and prioritizing the ministry. See, the pastor of a church, whether this church or if you're visiting, your pastor is not called, now hear me close, is not called to meet the practical needs of the church. The pastor is called to meet the spiritual needs of the church. You understand that? Say amen. This is my calling is is not my calling to meet the practical needs of the church. And thank you, Lord. I have to stay focused on that because with the church this size, people come up to me all the time. They email me, whatever. Pastor Rodney, we need we should be doing this. Hey, why don't we do that? Hey, what about this ministry? Hey, what about that? Oh, well, over there, they're doing this. Well, over here, they're doing purpose driven. Well, over here, they're doing experiencing God. Well, over here, they're doing this and they're doing that. Pastor Rodney, we need to be doing this constant, constant, constant. And, 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 and I got to stay focused to, to say, okay, God, what have you called Rodney to do? Look, what they're doing might be wonderful, but I have to, we have to, as a body, stay focused on what God has called us to do. God has called us to teach the word verse by verse. That's the calling of this church. That's what we do. Is what they're doing wrong? No. But we have to, I've got to keep the church, and quite honestly, guys, it can be a pretty tough thing, trying to stay focused, trying to stay directed on what God has called us to do as a body. And so each week, people invite me to various things. You know, people invite me out on Saturday. I've told you guys before, I don't go out on Saturday. I I don't go out on Saturday. If you have a function and it's on a Saturday and you invite me, I'm probably not coming. It ain't, please don't take it personal. The reason why I'm not coming is because Saturday is my day to prepare the word of God to sit and to pray so that I might come to church on Sunday morning and meet spiritual needs. That's why I don't come. You know, when I, some people in the church, I've married them in wedding ceremonies, and I often will let you know that I probably won't be attending the reception. Why? Because. Folk be drinking at the reception. No, just kidding. I'm sorry. No, no, really, seriously. The reason why is because I, you know, I'm not there. That's not what I'm doing on Saturday. I'm not in the partying and dancing and doing the Macarena on Saturday night and all of that. I'm just not, I'm not there. 
Even if I am there physically, I'm not there mentally and emotionally because I'm trying to get back home so that I can get in the word and study that I might come to church and have a word from the Lord, a word for you that, that, that you might hear from God and that your lives might be changed. And there ain't no time for partying for me on Saturday night when I know what I'm called to do on Sunday morning. You know, even if you're in ministry here at Calvary, you're doing worship or you're in children's ministry, listen, don't make it a practice to stay up late on Saturday night. Ooh. Make it a practice to stay up late on Saturday night and then come to church on Sunday morning trying to minister. Satan uses that to rip you off. Satan uses that to rip it. Look, if you come to church on Sunday morning, hey, try to go to bed in a reasonable time. You come to church to hear the word. How many times do people come to church, oh, man, man, something wrong with that sermon. Man, you know, Pastor Rodney, he wasn't hitting on the day. I mean, so, ooh, something wrong with that sermon. Well, man, I ain't getting nothing out of that sermon. Well, maybe it wasn't the worship. Maybe it wasn't Pastor Rodney. Maybe it was you. Could it be? That when you came to church, you were half sleepy because you just went to bed three hours ago. And now you come to church and it's like, oh, your blood speaks a better word. Then all the empty, raise your hands. Yes, 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 yes. Man, you are not here. You got all ripped off by Satan. See, I got to stay focused and we all as a body need to stay focused. Is that right? Is that all right? That's important. Because we don't want Satan to rip us off. We don't want to come to church and not get anything out of it. If that happens too much in your life, guess what? You're going to backslide. It's going to hurt you. So you got to pay attention to your spiritual walk. You know, we, don't, we, we try, as Elvira and I, we're often asked to go out to dinner with couples, and, and, and we do. And, and, and sometimes I have to turn appointments down for that very reason, because I'm trying to stay focused on what God has called me to do. And so, yes, we do. I mean, we, you know, each... Thursday, actually, we try to go out with a couple, and, 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 and sometime again, I have to turn things down, because and, 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 I just can't do it all. I just can't. That's why I have assistant pastors, because I used to be able to do it all. When we were 100 people, I could do everything. I could know everybody, and I could know all the names of the families, and I could know your dog's name. I mean, I, I knew everything, you know, about the families here, but now the church is much larger, and I can't do it all. I can't go out to dinner with every single person. Although I do love to go out to dinner with you, but um, and I don't want you to stop inviting me. And, and uh, but I'm just trying to help you understand that that with the church this size, I mean, when I mean, you think about it like this here, we go out to dinner pretty much once a week with a couple. With a church this size, and if we went out to dinner once a week, every week with a couple, I would get back to you. Say we went out, I would get back to dinner with you in about eight years. It would take me eight years to go out to dinner to hang out with you again, given the church size and the church growth. It would take eight years for me to get back to you. Now, I got to stay focused. I got to keep that balance. You understand what I'm saying? Keep the balance of, hey, you know, I want to do these things. I, I, I need to do these things. At the same time, God has called me to do other things, and that's to attend upon the spiritual needs. You know, a friend of mine said this to me, and I thought this was, was pretty, pretty incredible. He said his best testimony was that he had a, la uh, a lousy golf swing. 
He said his best testimony was that he had a lousy golf swing. In other words, he doesn't spend time on the golf course. He spends time in the Word and in prayer. Isn't that great? That's a good testimony. That's a good testimony. So the priorities are important. Priorities are important, and that is exactly what these guys are doing. They're giving the priorities. And notice the role of the pastor. I want to give you a verse, and I want you to look it up later, talking about the role of a pastor. It's in Ephesians 4.12, and you can look it up in your own time, but it says this, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. I really believe that that is the role of the pastor. The pastor is an equipper. My priority has to be teaching the word and prayer. And as I teach the word and pray, the people will begin to rise up and do the work of the ministry. You see, oftentimes people, the church, seeks to get the pastor to do the work of the ministry. And the pastor loses priority, trying to respond to the request of the people. And what happens when the pastor loses priority trying to respond to the request of the people, the pastor gets burned out. Raise your hand if you know a pastor, a person in ministry who got burned out and left the ministry. Raise your hand. Okay, that's a good number of people like in first service as well. That's a shame. That's criminal. Pastor burnout? Well, that's because the pastor doesn't know how to say no. Sometimes it's a very spiritual thing for him to tell you no. I didn't think I'd get too many amens there. But sometimes it's a very spiritual thing for the pastor to tell you, no, ministers getting burned out should never be. People often come and say to me, you know, Pastor Rodney, you know, we need this ministry. And they think that I'm going to say, "Okay, I'll do it. Generally, if you come to me with a ministry idea, I'm going to say, so when you going to get started? Oh, that wasn't what I meant. I meant you do it. I was like, no, but that's not what I mean. What I mean is if you have a ministry idea, then why don't you do it? And, and under the leadership of the church, of course, under some accountability and some materials, and we'll help you, but, but, but why don't you do it? Because if I start doing it and I start losing priority, well, then the church will really be in trouble. So, so why don't you do it? You see, burnout, the Bible doesn't talk about burnout for any person, Christian or pastor. Paul the Apostle in Philippians chapter 2 and in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he talks about being poured out. But the Bible does not talk about a believer, a Christian being burned out. As a matter of fact, let me add this. If someone is burned out, they've probably been doing that ministry for a long time in the flesh. Because being poured out, yes, we are to pour ourselves out for the people. And when we pour ourselves out for the people and for the work of the ministry, guess what? The Holy Spirit is faithful to pour back into you. As you pour out, he pours into you. As you pour out, he pours into you. But when you're burned out, that means you've been operating in the flesh. And when you're operating in the flesh, well, you're not operating in the power of the Spirit. You understand? So burned out is certainly not of the Lord. Well, These guys, they said, you serve up the practical tables and we'll serve up the spiritual tables. We'll take care of the spiritual needs and continue in the word. So very important. And then look at verse five. They say the saying in verse five, please the whole multitude. Did you notice that? And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith 
and the Holy Spirit, and then they chose a bunch of other guys. Now, I want you to notice, in verse 6, you know, I'm going to tell you something about those names. Listen to this. It'll blow you away. All of those names in verse 6 or verse, uh, where you at? Verse 5. Verse 5. Look at verse 5. All those names are Greek names. Isn't that interesting? I think this is the wisdom of the 12 disciples. Remember, it was the Hellenists who were Greek-speaking Jews that had the problem with the Hebrew women. Remember? So I think the wisdom here of the disciples is to assign men over this ministry of distribution who are Greek as to avoid any appearance of evil, any way of feeling slighted whatsoever. They say, hey, okay, fine, let's make sure this doesn't happen and let's be a good witness and testimony to you Greek people. We'll assign Greek guys to oversee the ministry as to avoid any appearance of evil. Isn't that interesting? And so, chapter 7, we'll talk more about uh, Stephen. And then chapter 8, we'll talk more about Philip. You want to really take a look at that. But I want you to notice as we kind of wind down here, I want you to notice the requirements in the early church. Did you notice this here? The requirements in the early church to serve tables. Remember, we're talking about them serving tables. We're talking about a very menial type of task. Notice the requirements to in the early church. See, I think God really takes his church serious. And you want to notice the requirements to simply serve tables. Number one, look at verse three. It says that they were to seek out from among them seven men, notice, of good reputation and full of the Holy Spirit. You see that? Seven men, notice this, among you. Did you see that? In other words, you don't put a stranger in charge of something. God's people aren't a franchise or a commodity. They're a sacred trust. And when you start a ministry, you don't take people you don't know and set them loose over God's flock that Jesus paid for with his blood. You don't do that. That's why we don't raise people up too quickly here at Calvary Chapel. We we have them to wait a while because we want to know those among us. And notice the first seven men to be raised up were asked to speak. Notice they weren't asked to speak They were asked to serve. They weren't asked to speak. People come to me all the time and say, Rodney, you know, I want you to know I'm a minister. Church I came from, I'm an ordained minister. I'm a teacher of the word. And I just want you to know that I'm, you know, a minister. And, you know, I'm like, good, that's great. Well, I just want to know how I can get involved in ministry. You know, and I think what they mean is, you know, Rodney, when you're ready for a break, just let me know and I'll take over on Sunday. That's what they mean. Well, how can I get along, get, get, get involved in ministry here at Calvary Chapel? Oh, well, you know what? There's some children's church over there needs to be ministered to the kids. And we have some toilets to clean and uh, some maintenance here at the church. And, and they're, they're, well, what, what? Uh, that wasn't quite what I was thinking. Well, wait a minute. In the early church, before they were asked to speak, they were asked to serve. Don't you remember in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, it says that all that Jesus began to do and to teach. The doing, the serving goes before the teaching. And as you are doing and as you are serving, then maybe perhaps someday God will say, 
hey, I'm going to give you an opportunity to teach. I never wanted to be a teacher. I served the Lord. I studied the word. And one day my pastor said, hey, will you teach for me on a Thursday night out of nowhere? And I thought, are you sure? He said, yeah, I taught for him. See, the serving goes before the speaking. So they were to choose seven men among them, number one. Number two, notice, seven men with good reputations. In other words, you're taking notes. That means, you know, there should be nothing fishy about these guys. There shouldn't be anything questionable about them. Nothing shady. Nothing shady. You know, teaching a Bible study by day and dancing at Chippendales at night. I mean, you know. Sorry. First thing came to mind, I'm... I mean, that would be shady. Would you agree? Say amen if you agree. That's kind of weird. I mean, nothing shady, nothing fishy going on. I mean, nothing like that. Just these guys have a good reputation. But notice this also, and that these men were to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. These guys had to be filled with the Holy Spirit to serve tables, to clean the church cafeteria. They had to be filled with the Spirit. You need to be filled with the Spirit if you're doing greeters ministry. You need to be filled with the Spirit if you're doing ushers. You need to be filled. Do you know how filled with the Spirit you need to be to do parking lot? You have any idea? Folk be coming in. You're doing parking. You've been all nice. And I've watched them out my window. And I've seen the parking people there. It's nice. You know, they're just trying to, you know, you know, doing the traffic. Doing a tra- all nice and everything, people don't want to obey the parking people. You know, thank God I'm not out there doing traffic. You know, you're trying to get them to go this way, and they just go that way, just because they want to. And if I were doing traffic, I'd follow you to your car. <laughs> yes, I would. Like, oh, there's a there's a fight in the parking lot. <laughs> oh my God, it's Pastor Rodney. Oh my. It. Oh, man. What's up with that? I mean, you got to be filled with the Spirit to do anything in the church. Amen, saints? And that's what these guys, I mean, the menial stuff, we think, you know, you got to be filled with the Spirit to do the pulpit. Man, when you get up in the preaching pulpit, man, you'll be filled with the Spirit. Well, you need to be filled with the Spirit if you clean the church. If you clean the bathroom, you need to clean them tall and singing about Jesus. You know, Jesus, Jesus. Hey, hand me a soft scrub. Jesus, something about that name. That's shiny and spanking new. Yeah, you need to be filled with the Spirit. You know, David said in Psalm 8410, David said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I I love that verse. David is saying, I would rather do the most menial job in the kingdom than the best job in the world. I'd rather be the poorest man in heaven than the richest man in hell. Someone once said, I would rather fly coach with Jesus than first class with the devil. <laughs> Amen. I like that. You see, they set these men in their midst and they prayed, they laid hands on them, and they ordained them to be food servers. And notice the result. Evangelism in verse 7. The word of God spread. Secondly, salvation. And then thirdly, the priests were saved and obedient to the faith. That's amazing. What priest? Probably the priest that were in the temple when Jesus died and the veil of the temple split. 
If you're a priest and you're in the temple and, and, and all of a sudden this, this, this veil just splits from top to bottom right in front of you, that's a witness. And then those same priests heard Peter and John, silver and gold have I none, such as I have, give I thee, rise up. And they heard about that. These same priests heard about Ananias and Sapphira as they were killed and slain in the spirit in the early church. They heard about that. Everybody heard about that. Acts chapter 5 is very clear about that. These same priests, many of them, well, how many is many? I don't know, but many, a lot, gave their lives to Christ, and they were saved. They were saved. God's looking for faithful men, people. God's looking for faithful men and women. Thank God the Bible says it's required of a steward to be found faithful. Thank God it doesn't say it's required of a student to be found intelligent. Don't say amen there. It doesn't say that. It says we need to be faithful. God's just looking for faithfulness. God's not looking for ability. God is looking for availability. Just faithful and available to do the work of the kingdom. And then I close with this. Listen, William P. Merrill, he wrote this hymn in the early 1900s. And I love this hymn. Perhaps you know it. He wrote it for the Brethren Movement. And, and, and the hymn is called Rise Up, O Men of God. It reads this, listen close. Rise up, O men of God, have done with lesser things. Give heart and mind and soul and strength to serve the King of Kings. Rise up, O men of God, the church where you doth wait. Send forth to serve the needs of men. In Christ, our strength is great. We do what we do in the power of the Spirit. Because in Christ, our strength is great. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1 800 293 0923. That's 1 800 293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.